then it was the pandemic. I said, I'm going to create every single day. And I did. I created a piece every single day. And I got my first social media account <laughs> in 2020. And I said, I'm just going to put my pieces up, no matter how terrible they are, and just build on it. Hello and welcome to All of the Above. I'm James Brown. Thanks for joining me. You can check out my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. And of course, like, share, and subscribe. It really helps the show along. This episode is about a passion project that became a business. Ran by today's guest, Laura Holmesy. Laura, welcome to the program. Hello, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I've been watching from afar. We talked a bit here or there. And I'd love to learn more about you. Okay, I'm ready. So uh, let's start from the beginning. Where are you now? I am in Rochester, New York, actually Brighton in my studio. And I share uh, my studio with my partner. So he runs the audio portion on the other side. And I work in uh, in illustration in 2D. For, for our listeners, the, the, the uh, many, many more people who listen audio-wise, how would you describe the environment around you in, in your, uh, your art studio? Well, I work in hand-cut paper. So I hand paint and I hand texture all the paper I use for illustrations. So at the moment, I have a lot of frames up of my artwork that I've worked on. And I have lots of plants. It's a nice sunny space, which really helps with photos and, um, and creating. It, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't quite thought about So sun, sunny helps you? It does help. Um, it helps creatively too, but also um, I do a lot of commissions for people. And when I'm finished with the illustration, I take photos and then I email it to them. So, you know, the light helps with finished photos as well as the creating process. So, of course, it's a, it's a natural look, I, I would presume. Exactly. Right. Awesome. So let's go back to the origins of Laura. Where are you from? I have lived in Rochester for most of my life. Um, I was born in Vermont. So um, you can't really take the woods out of out of me. <laughs> I'm just tied to the earth um, from the beginning. But um, in my early years, we moved here to Rochester and I have some family here. I moved away for a couple of years to New York City and to Montreal and got the big urban feel, but came back here and just really appreciate being close to family and the slowness and ability to create here. The slowness. The slowness. I don't know if Rochester thinks it's slow, but compared to some other cities, it's just there's still hustle here. And I like to keep the hustle in myself. But external hustle, not so much. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I had to work three jobs in New York. I had very little time to think. I felt like I aged very fast. And I also know you spent some time there too, James. So I just have more peace of mind here. I'm able to devote my time differently in this city. Absolutely. I had a similar experience in New York. I did not work three jobs, but I did okay. Two at one point. Yeah, it was definitely a more hustle and bustle, as they say. Right. It was definitely uh, the intensity was higher as well. Right. I felt a bit. There are different kinds of weight that these environments put on you. There's a weight that in in New York that comes with. Okay, you have to move at a certain speed, even if you're like walking streets or subways. Yes. But the weight in Rochester was a bit different, but I do feel a weight here. Like for me, it's having so much water under the bridge. Okay. How would you compare sort of those environments and how it, it felt on you? Well, when I moved back to Rochester, I felt like I had to forge my way a little bit. So there were art environments. So I worked in some museums in New York City and some ceramic studios, which was great. I didn't have to try too hard to get those positions. But when I moved back to Rochester, it felt slim. I wanted more art opportunities in terms of employment. So I kind of worked other jobs that were somewhat related to the arts, but not directly. And then I said, I got to forge it myself. So during COVID, 
that's when I started my business, my baby. (laughs) (laughs) You leave New York, you end up in Rochester, you're you're working with arts adjacent. What, What are these jobs that are arts adjacent? Well, I worked in nonprofits, but I worked in some after-school programs run through an agency that supports people with developmental disabilities. So there were there were creative moments, <laughs> but mostly we focused on community interaction. So lots of like outings that we do with the kids, and and creating was a part of it. But um, homework help, and I got the kid exposure, which is another passion of mine. And you can kind of see that through my work, but it wasn't arts focused primarily. And that's what I wanted. Primarily children or, or only children? I worked with um, kids and adults, but children are my um, love. <laughs> I love them. I love their brains. They're my heroes. Their brains. Tell me about their brains. I just recently worked with a, uh, a class of third graders. And I just went in thinking, oh man, I have to teach them everything about my craft. And, and I spend every single day doing this. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure to teach them all these techniques. And I just love how they just jumped in. They questioned me on my techniques and why I was doing certain things, because I think they came up with better ideas (laughs) for how to do it. But just the fear wasn't there. You know, they have grandiose thoughts and they don't tell themselves, oh, that can't be done. It helps with their art making, and it. I just love being around them. I really do. There are a couple very fascinating elements of that statement. <laughs> so the fear, when I heard you, I'm thinking fear that comes with growing up, fear that comes with experience and failing. Okay. Uh, what do you mean? I guess I meant creatively, at least, you know, the age of eight. They're just really fun. It's like um, they're not quite middle school. They're not really, uh, I don't know, I guess the fear of creating isn't there. Sure, they have other fears, but working with them through the arts is just really fun. They give me great ideas. Such as? Such as um, placement. So we were working on uh, bouquets for Mother's Day. And I, I think when you're looking at a piece of artwork like I do, I spend about a week on a piece, a full week. And you don't, you have trouble seeing things when you're staring at the same image every day. But I don't know. I went in with some ideas for bouquets and these kids had additions in mind, um, animals. Hey, why don't we add this in there? Why don't we place this behind the leaf? Because it makes sense for the piece. And I, I was just blown away by them. I was completely open to whatever they wanted to do. And I think they turned out great. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, wanna... you got to get around some kids, James. Well, <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of, the, well, I was around my sister's granddaughter. Believe it or not, I have a sister who has a granddaughter. I can't believe that. Kid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was the last kid I spent time around. So, wow. yeah, it, it has been a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they can be and, great. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I guess in that experience, it was seeing um, the world through sort of this not she she wasn't like overly enthusiastic, but it was like she was she wasn't su- completely developed for lack of a better term, if you know what I mean. makes sense. Uh, we're talking about an eight year old yeah, so we're talking about someone who's sort of like, for example, I had to pick her up off her bus. Okay. So I was driving her to my mother's house. Okay. And so I asked her, what do you want to do, you know, with your mm-hmm. life? Yeah. And she kind of rolled her eyes. Everyone but, asked me that probably. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I did get her talking <laughs> and, and she said that she wanted to be either a doctor or a hairdresser. Okay. And I was Leaving like, lots okay. of options. Yeah. Lots of options. <laughs> lots in between the two. So right. uh, like, so I was trying to explain to her like, oh yeah, doctor, that that's a, that's a lot of school. Right. 
Like that's a long time. You got to go get your undergrad. I just have my undergrad. I don't, I don't, um, but you, it's usually about seven years uh, right. uh, afterward. And she's like seven years. <laughs> oh, good. So she could actually visualize maybe what seven years. It sounds like a lot to her. Yeah. It sounded yeah. like forever. Right. Yeah. And I, I told her, yeah, I went to school near Niagara Falls and she had no idea what Niagara Falls was. Okay. And another and, topic <laughs> or what was like, she heard of college, but didn't have a concept of it. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at is that through the eyes of children is sort of this sort of not simplified reality, but the, the wrinkles of day-to-day existence haven't quite set in yet. Right. Yep. And that makes sense. For the most part, they're taken care of and they get to put their thinking towards some fun and practical things <laughs> that relate to their everyday life. But long-term, I don't know how much thinking they do with that. Probably not too much. Not too much, uh, I would think. And I would hope not. I I, I spent yeah. probably too much time thinking as a kid. Yeah. But but. Um, <laughs> hey, might have gotten you to here. Yeah, probably, right? <laughs> a good thinker. Yeah. This all wraps into something I wanted to to discuss with you because you, you did spend a, a good amount of time working with people with disabilities. Yes. How old were these kids? Um, the after school program, they were aged twelve to twenty-one. So wow. it's that it's that aging out of, of twenty-one. So yeah, it's a good range of ages there. With the adult populations, actually, we shared one room. So I worked with the adults in the morning, and they ranged from 30, I'd say 37 to 72. So I was really working from, you know, <laughs> for lack of better words, start to finish, you know, wow. every yeah. day with people. Well, tell me about the environment. You were in one big room? Yep. So it was a day hab. So individuals would spend their day there working on goals related to them. So so the adults would come in in the morning and we would work on, again, their personal goals. And then we would do community interaction. So if there were events, I know they just went to Jazz Fest um, this past week because I still keep up with the people there. And so there's community involvement. Then we'd eat lunch all in that one room. And the building is a community building open to the public in Henrietta. And there are fitness rooms, art therapy, um, the pool is actually therapeutic as well. So like the Buffalo Bills use this pool um, for rehabilitation and stuff. So it's really like a one building just to take care of everybody. Um, and then when the adults would go home for the day, the kids would come in off the buses and we'd work on homework, socialization skills, um, recreational. We had a huge gym. Um, and then we had kids camps in the summer. So I stayed really busy. Yeah, it sounds taxing. Yes, definitely could be taxing. <laughs> yeah, very little breaks for staff. Yeah. Uh, are there specific days that you remember that are, were kind of long? Um, when there were snow days and the building wasn't open, we would go into the homes, the individuals' homes, and we would spend the day there. So if there was like a fitness goal for someone you were working with, we would have to find creative ways to complete their fitness goals in their household. So yeah, it took a lot of creativity, but those days could feel really long. Okay, give me one moment. Sure. The perils of working from home. Oh. Decided to break out his lawnmower and just oh. like, yeah. Oh, no. Yep. I'm in a building and I share with a, a music school. So I get it. It can yeah. get loud. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll explain to our listeners. <laughs> I had to take a, a moment there because my neighbor is, is breaking out his giant lawnmower. <laughs> so you might hear a hum beneath. Okay. Um. Well, I, I, is it fun 
to work with uh, with children with disabilities, with people with disabilities? There were lots of fun times. I think my favorite part of the job is realizing that everyone, including you, me, everyone I supported, we all have our own quirks. And um, and just learning to embrace the quirks. And some days are just crazy. <laughs> and um, there weren't many mundane days. And I was okay with that. Um, I guess the fun came from learning what was special to each and every person that I worked with. So sometimes, oh, let's see, for example, there was one male that I worked with and he just loved nothing more than doing people's hair. And that's actually, that was one of his goals was to find employment, um, kind of like your step niece or, or your niece. <laughs> she, yeah. He wanted to work in a hair salon. And so that actually required him practicing on us, on our staff hair. So that was kind of fun. You know, we were helping him reach his goal and um, looking crazy some days, but he had a practice. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, there were school dances that we we helped the kids get ready for. I mean, we were just a huge part of their lives. And we also um, provided respite to the families. So on the weekends, there were programs that could help families out during that time. So we got to know these kids just Monday through Sunday, really. And um, and there were a lot of fun moments, like spending camp with them, summer camp. We got to see them outside of their like school routine mm -hmm. and um, meet their families. And there, there was a lot of fun, yeah. Was this around the clock? Which? My um, Monday through Friday Meaning your, your Monday through Friday job with, with these folks? Yeah, it was a... Uh, probably quarter to nine and then I got out at six a little after okay. six and it so, was daily yep oh so it was a day job yes yep so I worked about 9 a.m to 6 p.m every day and then sometimes weekends depending so yeah you could be as busy as you wanted to in that kind of environment there are always shifts as you can imagine lots of turnover so there are always shifts available yep they work with you in that way how do you connect with people who are are dealing with a pretty severe disability? That was some of the fun challenge. Um, some I supported a few people who didn't speak traditionally, but they would use um, one boy in particular. He used a iPad, and so he would use um, a not a voice box, but there was an app that he would use. So instead of verbalizing what he'd like, he would he would use um, this iPad. And so that was one way of communicating that was picked up a lot of sign language on the job. That was another way that we would communicate. Um, there was art therapy available in the building too. And I got to go into those environments too, to see how people interacted through the arts. And that's what I love the most. Maybe you can't vocalize everything you want to say, but maybe on paper it's better or through clay, you're able to get your thoughts out. Tell me about some of those instances, like when, when someone was able to articulate how they felt through clay or through, through a, a piece of art. Yeah. Um, trying to think of some specifics. It's been kind of a number of years since I've worked there now. I'm sure they're in my brain somewhere. Um, well, I'm, something's coming to mind, not necessarily art therapy, but there was one woman that I worked with, she was in her 70s and she was actually born, um, she was Eastern European and a lot of her family was still there. And she actually had a remarkable story on how she got to Rochester in particular, but we helped her make a book. It kind of turned out to be a scrapbook, but we were able to do some genealogy research with her wow. almost. And um, we created this visual book for her. So she didn't speak traditionally, but she was able to use those images we found. And we kind of got to know her in that way um, through her family. And that's one example that comes to mind. So, and, and she was really um, 
tied to her family. They would speak a lot over the phone in her own way. She would speak. They would speak to her a lot. And um, she was able to like include the staff um, in on that. Wow. Yeah. It's deep. <laughs> it's deep. <laughs> and, and through these experiences, as, as, as far as I've been able to tell, it's spoken to how you've grown creatively in terms of the art you make. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. How, how? I always, I'm not sure if this directly relates to that question, but I always struggled um, creatively myself. I always had the strong urge to create, but I could never really find a medium that supported me. And so years through high school, and I'll talk more about that later, but high school and then college, I pretty much thought that two-dimensional work was the way to get out your, your creativity, you know, pen and paper, charcoal and paper. And then when I found this medium that I'm working in now, I just felt free. And since I work better in three-dimensional, I was able to find this medium where I could pick up a piece of paper, rip it, cut it, manipulate it into almost a sculptural form. And I was able to create that way more freedom. So I guess through exposure. So I guess tying that back, working with some of the students who maybe didn't have exposure in different art mediums like this, just finding out how they could create with what they are given. So maybe they have one hand that one dominant hand that they use mostly. How can we use that where you're at to get out these important thoughts in your head and important feelings? Did that make any sense? It does. <laughs> it actually, actually, actually did make sense to oh, me. Oh, good. Sometimes I don't hear the words that come out of my mouth. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate what I, I heard, heard there. Yeah. Is. You, it took you uh, quite a long time to figure out which medium suited you. Correct. And you spent a bunch of time with working with people who, you know, had to adapt in order adapt. to express themselves. Yes. And that could be one of the contributing factors. I wouldn't, I, 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 I took from your response, not, maybe not the only one, but one of the contributing factors of how, what shaped your sort of your dive into sort of these three dimensional um, figures that you're creating, scenes you're creating. Yes. Yeah, that that comfort level. Um, it came with this medium. Uh, I really took to the author Eric Carl. He is really my mentor, and what I love about him is his carefree he he just creates for creating sake you know there's not you don't have to think too hard about it and that's what i like about this medium it just it lets you experiment with it it's very forgiving um so if you're new and approaching this i bet you you would just pick right up on it because you know oh i made a splotch with the paint where i didn't want it to go oh well you cover it up with some paper or maybe you you match the paint and you create over it it's or oh that snip was wrong okay well let's let's build on that um it's forgiving and i love it <laughs> let's zoom in a bit sure okay when you say it all right for for those who are new to it how how would you describe these these paper these stories? Uh, uh, you, you're you're known as petite paper stories. Yeah. Uh, the assumption number one would be paper. Correct. Um, what kinds of paper? I use a th uh, a medium thick cardstock. I know a lot of collage artists, and that's kind of a word that I struggle with a bit. When I say collage, a lot of people think that I work in newsprint. You know, maybe I paint over newsprint or I use paper that's been used already, but I like to start fresh with white, thicker paper. And I hand paint all the paper that I use for my illustrations, for my commissions. 
So I use acrylic paints. I use watercolor. Um, a favorite mixture is uh, acrylic with watercolor. It creates a nice soft palette. And then I use texture tools. So much like um, my mentor, Eric Carl, everyday objects can be texture tools. So I'm looking over in my bin right now and I see, um, well, a tuna can. I use that for some paint mixing. A tuna can. A tuna can. Okay. All right. <laughs> washed out. Really, okay. really washed out. Um, I use sponges. So if I want to create maybe the texture of clouds or uh, grass, sometimes I'll use sponges with the paint. Um, I use string. Um, forks create nice texture. And that's another thing I love about this medium. You don't need a lot of money. You know, you just need to try things out everyday items that are around you can create some really cool effects. Um, bubble wrap is probably my favorite texture tool. So, you know, starting with um, a painted paper and then putting some acrylic of a different color on top of painting right on top of the bubble wrap and then pressing down and it creates some really cool textures. So paper, paint, and then I use scissors next. And <clears throat> people ask me, but I, I don't trace images. So let's say I want to create a dog. I will, I just freely cut. And a way to look at it is in, to break an object into simple shapes. And any item you can think of, you can pretty much pick shapes out of it. And that's how I start cutting my scene. When I work on commissions, people send me reference photos. So someone might approach me and say, I would love you to create um, a 70th birthday present for my dad. And they'll send reference photos of their family, maybe the dad's favorite location that we can use as a background, some of his favorite items and pets. And I'll study those reference photos. I'll create a, a sketch from that. And then I begin cutting and laying it on top of my sketch. And then after a week, I have a whole scene put together. To me, that that screams a collage. Yes, you can see that. Yeah, it's the definition of collage. Just people tend to think collage, at least when I've spoken to them, it is made from different types of paper. Is there a different term that fits you in what I, you create? I use hand cut paper. I say I'm a hand cut paper artist or illustrator, paper illustrator too. That usually comes with many more questions, though. Such as. Uh, what does that mean? A paper <laughs> illustrator? I don't get it. Like, are you illustrating on paper? Well, no, not entirely. <laughs> it's rarer than a typical collage artist, but it, not one of a kind, correct? Mm -hmm. I'm creating one of a kind pieces, but I'm not one of a, a kind paper illustrator by any means. On Instagram, there's so many incredible artists who work in the same style that I learned from. And even in Rochester too, there are people working in this style as well. Is that how you were drawn into doing it for people? How, how did that happen? I had a mentor teacher when I was student teaching. And one of the lessons that he did was Eric Carl. Mm -hmm. And the students in the class were asked to paint and texturize paper all together. So it was actually just one big piece of paper. And all the kids had their hand in painting and texturizing this one huge piece of paper. And when it was dry, it was cut up into different sections. And then each student was able to use parts of that large paper in creating their scene. And that really just, I, it really spoke to me in that it was this communal um, creating. And Everybody got to put their own little spin on it, but um, I just love that it used like minimal materials. Everyone was able to create together and then create something completely different from their neighbor from the same materials. And I just started working in that style right from college. And then, you know, people would see some of the work I created. And I had a good friend of mine ask me to do a commission of her family of creating a Mother's Day scene and I was scared to death. That was my first one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then from there, I, I would just say it was kind of friends who, who got me going in this. And 
probably believed in me a little more than I did at the time. And um, they would just give me these great ideas to work with. And then I just built and got better and got better. And that's kind of how I got started. That piece uh, wasn't obviously your first rodeo. What were the first iterations like? What, what were they of? My very first pieces with cut paper. Mm -hmm. um, I think I emulated Eric Carl. So I would look at his illustrations and I would just create kind of my own versions of him. That, that was kind of how I learned how I learned. So it was kind of copying of a scene in my own way. Um, I took a really awesome course on paper illustration through the equivalent of a Skillshare program online. Mm -hmm. And it was a Brazilian artist and it was, it taught me so much. We had like a, a clear schedule and I think it lasted a week. And then we had a project at the end and she would critique the project and, um, and the class would kind of put their two cents in. So that really helped me to grow a lot in one week. And then it was the pandemic. I said, I'm going to create every single day. And I did. I created a piece every single day. And I got my first social media account <laughs> in 2020. And I said, I'm just going to put my pieces up, no matter how terrible they are, and just build on it. <laughs> Let's Break it well, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's break this down. First account ever? I think I had a MySpace. Actually, a friend in college created a MySpace for me before I even said okay. Um, but I didn't really take to that. So I'd say this is my first, yes, social media platform. How old are you? I'm 37. First account. So this is right as the pandemic hit. Yes. So we're talking three years ago was your first social media account period yep correct <laughs> wow okay. i know and i heard instagram used to be a lot better i kind of wish i knew it then yeah it was simpler for simpler sure. less ads less video a lot less ads less no video, video. <laughs> yeah no video initially right initially and you couldn't even upload images initially you had Is that to take, right yeah you had to take photos with your phone okay directly into the app and people would use side apps to access it oh in order gosh. to upload images. How archaic. Way back. <laughs> yeah. But I, that this opens a new can of worms that I am <laughs> uh -oh. fascinated with. <laughs> Especially from someone who's, who's now built a business based on social media. What was the turnoff? Why did you, as the rest of our generation, because I'm just a little bit older than you, I'm 39. Yeah. As the rest of us rushed toward social media, you said no. You said, I'm not going to do this. Yes. Why correct. did you say no? <laughs> you can't make me. Um, I, I went to school for art education. And we were told time and time again, you don't want students finding your online presence. It's just better to stay off. And at the time, that's what we were told. And I did it. I was terrified of being found. <laughs> And I kind of liked, yeah, we kind of have to say goodbye to that. But um, I, I kind of liked being undercover. I don't know, like hidden. Yeah. And then what was the turning point? Yeah, it really was COVID that did it. I think I was lacking, as everybody was, social interaction. And I said, well, if this is how it's got to be, I'm going to create an account. <laughs> also, my partner, Chris, he was really urging me. I've been creating since forever but he's like why don't you just you know have a creative account you don't have to like upload personal things about you you know mm -hmm. it, just look at it that way and I think it was a lot less stressful in that way so yeah I dipped my toe in I want to step back once again right <laughs> so you go through this this art education you get this uh you go through this program you're, you said hey they are you don't you don't want you don't want to interact with students like this understood as you're going through life, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure many of your friends, colleagues, uh, your partner, obviously, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if he's encouraging you, mm -hmm. had social media accounts. Did you feel like a rush of peer pressure? 
to sort of join these worlds? And did you just firmly say no, or did you, or was it like something you could easily brush off? Oh, I don't want to get too deep, but I think it was also a, um, it was a self-confidence thing too. I didn't feel like I had a lot to put out there. I didn't think, <laughs> honestly, I was very special. <laughs> you know, I've gotten better at that, but um, I just am like, why do people need to see my my daily thing? And that's when I was cool. I was in New York and like, you know, staying out late and going to cool places. So I should have been broadcasting those years. Oops. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just came with time. I didn't really feel left out. This is yet another interesting <laughs> comment here. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> because social media, you know, aside from business, which I, I'd love to get to after this, because I think this makes it even remarkable, more remarkable what you've done mm. here in order to launch a business through social while being pretty averse to, to social. Right. If you're following me on social media, James Brown TV <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> you see the most mundane stuff in the world. What, your walks? It's usually just me walking. <laughs> football, walking, it, interviews. Football and, exactly. Yeah. Football, walking, interviews. That's <laughs> just, just about everything that I, I ever post. But it is pretty much mundane. It's simple. I used to post tons and tons of links at one point in my social media world. And I don't really do that anymore here okay. or there, maybe on Twitter. But um, you saw other people who were, well, maybe you didn't even see it. That's nope. the other thing. So Sometimes I would take Chris's phone, my partner. Sometimes I would and I would look. It was just like a Pandora's box. I, it was overwhelming, honestly. So huh. I was just like, uh, it's okay. I guess Intimidating. Would, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah. Okay, so if you, if you didn't get on the early versions of Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, mm -mm. you didn't you didn't experience the slide into the sort of world of social media that we are in now. You didn't experience that transition. Right. Yep. Totally. So did you, do you feel something's lost by <laughs> like joining us in, the, in, in our <laughs> social media cult? I've never thought that deep about it. I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> But I've also gone really hard. Like the minute I joined, I was like every single day I'm going to create. So, I mean, I'm not looking back. I'm just looking forward. And I've been on it ever since. A lot. <laughs> wow. So you go from nothing to a lot. Yes. Yeah. I'm feeling a void, you know, people. I miss people. I miss working with kids. Missed being together. Did you get advice from anyone that you needed to post every day or did you just decide this? I just decided it. Interesting. Yeah, it, was, it was just a dream. I like, I've just always wanted to work in the arts and I've scraped by doing so for the most part, <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to do it on my terms and I want to build something and I'm going to do it. This is just one step in doing that. Wow. One would think that you would have read a slew of social media marketing wow. books, essentially, because that, that's essentially the argument that, that you've articulated, where essentially yeah. you, you choose a niche, stay in that niche, you do it over and over again, mm. and you just sort of stumbled upon it. Yeah. Yeah. I also live and work with somebody who works for himself and he's built a business. Mm. For, I mean, we, I, we've been together since the beginning and him slogging through, you know, every book you can imagine and, and every course he has taken. And mm -hmm. so I've been there. It wasn't my business, but I've seen what he could create. Ah. And um, he's, he's helped me a lot in, you know, suggestions and stuff, but he didn't know the first thing about creating like an Instagram, a business through Instagram, mm -hmm. but he did point me in that direction. He's like, you need to just start it, just create one. And it was like pressure. Cause I'm like, this is, I have to create a good name cause this is my business. So it's sure. like my first handle ever. It has to be my business name. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, but I've been doing it. My hands are tired. So perhaps Chris rubbed off on Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I used to say I could never work for myself. And then just, I don't know, seeing the freedom in that over the years um, and the hours, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it did rub off. Okay. Thanks, so Chris. tell me. <laughs> Hello, Chris. <laughs> Is is Chris going to make a cameo? <laughs> I don't think so. He has like the heavy duty okay. headphones on. Okay. So you're posting daily. So we're talking five days a week or, or seven? Seven. Wow. Yeah. Er, early days of the pandemic. So are we talking March, April? Yes. March. March. So yeah. nearly, nearly immediately. Yeah, exactly. So are you doing other work at this time? I was still working at that agency for a bit mm-hmm. and right when some weeks in it started getting scary um so i weaned myself off of that okay job and uh yeah and started this what what were the first inquiries did were they immediate or were they after a month or, or how, like how how quickly did you you start hearing from people like positive feedback or commissions both what which oh. which one which one was first i guess positive feedback I remember my first comment, it was from a girl that I've known my a very long time. And she's like, Laura, I didn't know it. You did this. <laughs> I'm like, I did, but I, I did all my creating like behind the scenes. I didn't show many people. I mean, people knew that I studied ceramics, ceramics in college, but um, so I heard some nice comments, mostly just kind of shock. Oh, is this you? Is this what you're doing? I also didn't have a actual picture of myself so people were like is that you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then i commissions started when my friend that i told you about probably three months in she gave mm-hmm. me that task of creating her family and it is not a small family <laughs> it was like a big project um so probably three months in she gave me that opportunity and i thank her so much um and that's the same friend who is a teacher and had me in uh, to teach her third grade class a couple years in a row. She's wow. just great. Yeah, she's a true teacher where she she creates opportunities for people and really like fosters good in people. You know, she's great. <laughs> so your second, your third commissions, were they immediately after? Were they later? I think a couple months in between and they mm-hmm. were like close friends. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I remember like my first out of state commission and that was like a friend of a friend. And then it just started getting where every single week in my calendar is filled up with a commission and it's the third year of that. Fully word of mouth. Um, I've been featured in a couple like, um, publications. So that's helped. Um, I was on the news, like the the local news, and I remember hearing people say, hey, I saw your segment. You know, I'm really interested in having a piece. Um, so my website has drawn some people, but that's how it started off, word of mouth, yeah. And then I had a, um, a commission out of Germany, and he found me through Instagram, and that was awesome. <laughs> that was so wow. cool. Couldn't believe it. So, yeah, and then Instagram is kind of how I get my commissions now. Hardest lesson so far? (sighs) Putting money aside for sales tax. Ooh. (laughs) That's a big one. (laughs) The more you make, the more you put aside, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's more concerns (laughs) when you're working for you. Exactly. That was a big one. Are there other ones, other things that sort of... that that other stressors that you did not anticipate? Mm. I guess in the beginning, I was trying to like get to know USPS and all the like logistics with shipping and stuff. So I remember getting really stressed out with like, oh, it's a piece, you know, timetables. Someone needs a piece sent to Kansas by their grandmother's birthday. And, you know, now I give myself plenty of time um, for people's deadlines. 
So, you know, being careful not to pack in too much work. So you still keep the quality there and you keep to your schedule. So yeah, so like creating a nice pace for yourself while staying busy is really important. Don't do too much. Is it difficult to say no? Yes. Yeah. Not just as a woman, just saying no is, is very difficult. Um, I don't say no often. I say, how about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if someone, uh, a few people have approached um, me with commission ideas to do like, hey, can we do a large group of people? You know, can you illustrate maybe a hundred people? Wow. <laughs> so no, that's a no, but we'll say, hey, what are other ways that you can, that we can illustrate these important people without physically illustrating all of them, you know? whether it's through like a family crest or if it's like a special vacation memory that you guys took together, let's find other ways to go about it. So I don't do a lot of no's. I say, let's think differently about it. What's the most amount of people you've done in an image? Oh, um, probably 10. I create limits now, but I think that's the most that I've done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just think as a small business owner, right? Yeah. Someone is offering you X amount of dollars. You you like you said, sales tax is a is a concern. It I mean, is. Just supporting yourself, paying right. your bills, all a, a concern. And it's all on you, right? Right. Right. And then you have this opportunity and you have to like it's a little much. Let's rethink this. What's the reaction when you have to say that? Uh, it might be relief. I mean, they don't have to <laughs> spend as much as I would probably have to charge if I did a hundred people. Um, I think they're appreciative that I'm willing to work with them. I'm speaking for them, but I think um, I'm not just saying no. Did that answer it? Sure, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, Instagram as uh, uh, your lead business magnet, you know, your lead magnet. Yeah. Uh, did, are there things about being a large account and you are, are, are a pretty large account? Like oh. you, you have nearly 4,000 followers, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, are, in obviously it were, it's worked out so far. Are there days where you wish like it was, you didn't choose Instagram? Uh, there are a lot of bots. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of bots that I can't get a handle on and a lot of people can't. And there's times when I question, yeah, kind of what direction it's the platform's going in, especially when your concerns aren't really being addressed, mm -hmm. no matter how much you yell about it. Um, there are days that I feel that push that I have to post something every single day. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a friend out of California who said, if you didn't post, I would think you died because wow. that's how regular you, you know, and it gets exhausting. You feel like I, what you post is, yeah, you're speaking for your business. So you have to show what you're doing every day. And so it would be nice to kind of step back mm -hmm. and take a little break and realize that like, not everyone's going to go away if you take a little break, <laughs> but so it gets exhausting at times. Yeah. But I've met a lot of cool people like doing what I do and we like bounce ideas off each other too. And they're from different continents. Mm -hmm. I just, so I, I definitely look more at the positives of what I get out of it, but. You leaned into my next question for oh. you, which was, so uh, it sounds like you're not hyper competitive with these other folks, like who are in your space. You guys, you guys communicate and you bounce off each other. Yeah, we sure do. Um, I have one friend in England, and I would love to actually meet her, but she's given me some great ideas to work with in terms of like, um, oh, you should try this subject matter, or have you tried this method with paint? Have you tried this tool? And here's where you can find it. And here's what I do with it. And I mean, I probably would have never come across that idea. So yeah, 
we we keep each other going, I'd say. So I embrace it. I'm learning new techniques from them. And it's a fun little community we're a part of. Is it all positive? Um, sure, there are times when you see what others are doing and you, it makes you self-reflect and say, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Is this going in the right direction? Um, my lifelong dream is to write a children's book. Mm -hmm. Less of the writing and more of the illustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I have seen people who have gotten those opportunities even through Instagram, like legit opportunities through Instagram. So sometimes, you know, I think, oh, you know, like, how can I put myself out there more? Or will I come in contact with the right person to make that dream come true? So there's like added pressures you put on yourself, sure, by seeing what other people are doing. Yeah, it seems just just listening to you for this past roughly an hour at this point. Yeah, wow. It seems like that that putting yourself out more wouldn't necessarily come natural that it that it would take sort of you coaxing yourself to go out go forth yes. a little bit more. Instagram's helped me do that. It really oh. has. Yeah. It really has. In terms of your personal life, your your friendships, that kind of thing? Yeah, like all of the above. Okay. But it's it's helped me meet the local community, the arts community too, that I've met like in person through Instagram. So that's helped me kind of get out there. And yeah, I've never been a very much like look at me type person. But how about let's look at my artwork? And obviously there are a lot more eyes on you now. Yeah, I don't think about it much, but. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it being a little bit awkward to think about too much. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Well, Laura, any famous last words? I just really thank you. You've been one that I've really enjoyed meeting. And like we said, when we met in person for the first time, from pixels to person. But <laughs> I really love what you've created and I've, I've been able to see your career you know, um, and this new direction is really awesome. And I thank you a lot. You're Aww. welcome in my little studio anytime. Oh, yeah. I I'd love to visit at some point. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks for listening to all of the above. Let me know what you think wherever you're listening and do me a favor. Share it with a friend. You can follow my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. Paid subscribers get access to bonuses, including 10 the Hard Way, our members-only show. You can reach me at james at rochesteraccent.com or jamesbrowntv at gmail.com. You can also leave me a message at 585-484-0339. We might have you on the show. I'm James Brown, and as always, be well. <laughs>